Hey everybody, it's Adam, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. We hope that our time together will challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. My name is Adam, and I am a bibliophile. And for those of you who aren't well-coursed in the big words like that, what a bibliophile is is someone who loves books. And honestly, what's not to love about books? A book can transport you and take you into a story about a mighty lion who is ruling over a fictional land. And a book can tell you about a super spy who is trying to uncover his own identity. A book can transport you to a mystical castle that's hidden away in the British countryside, or it can take you on a rip-roaring adventure across the United States. A book can take you to a world that you've never known before, and a book can teach you more about what you don't know in this world. A book can tell us about where we've been, and a book can help us dream about where we're going together. A book can make you a better professional, and a book can make you a better person. So yeah, I love books. Somebody who loves books, the only thing that I may enjoy doing more than actually reading a book is finding the next book that I want to read. So there's hardly a week goes by that I'm not wandering through the aisles of Barnes & Noble or Books A Million or even half-priced books, searching for whatever it is that I may want to read next. And if you ask me how I go about picking that next book that I'm going to add to my reading list, Well, there's a few different things I could tell you, because sometimes I get on a kick where I'm reading a particular author, so I may go back and find another book by one of my favorite authors I've already read. Or sometimes I hear about an interesting book when I'm listening to the radio or watching a TV show or, or paying attention to a podcast. But if I'm being completely honest, the way that I pick out the vast majority of the books that have made it onto my reading list and now sit on my bookshelves is simply by looking at the cover of the book. What can I say? There's just something about a catchy title or fancy graphics that sucks me in. Because honestly, who wouldn't want to check out a book that's called Sacred Cows Make the Best Burgers? Or who wouldn't want to read a book that says free prize inside just to see if there's actually a prize inside of that book? Or maybe you'd even be tempted to check out a book called Psychic Pancakes and Communion Pizzas. There's just something fascinating about these books. And there's something hardwired inside of all of us that allows all of us to make instant assessments on minimal amount of information. Just by looking at a cover or a title, we can figure out if a book is worth our time. So I know when I walk into a bookstore and I see certain words, if I see words like mystery or suspense or action, that that book may be worth my time to take a look at and see if I want to read it. But if I run across those dreaded words like romance or if I see a picture of Fabio on the cover of a book, I know that I probably just want to keep walking and not waste my time with it. But the truth is, I'm not the only one that's good at judging a book by its cover. We're all good at judging books by their cover. And I'm not just talking about literal books. Even if you're not an avid reader, even if you've never set foot in a bookstore in your life, you're still good at judging people by their covers. We all are. And it's kind of amazing that just by looking at somebody's haircut or the shoes that they have on their feet, that we can make an instant assessment and determine if that person is worth our time. And you know what? Sometimes when we're judging books by their cover, we get it right. 
But there are plenty of other times that we miss out on important stories. Because as a, we, when we look at a person, they're just not exactly what we were looking for at that moment. This almost happens inside of our scripture reading for this morning. Someone inside of our story almost misses out on one of the most important stories in all of scripture because they're trying to judge a book by its cover. So if you will, go ahead and grab your Bible, whether you've got a printed one like mine or an app on your phone, and turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we'll start reading in verse 30. But as you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of background on the book of Acts. Acts, of course, is found in the New Testament, and inside of the New Testament, there are essentially two types of books. These books in the New Testament tell us one of two things. They are either biographies of Jesus, or they are helping us understand how our faith in Jesus grew and spread in the decades after Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And the book of Acts, it does the latter. It is helping us understand how our faith in God, how our faith in Christ grew and spread in the decades after Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. In our scripture reading for this morning, we are going to see that as God is helping our faith grow and spread, God uses unexpected people to make it happen. So Acts chapter 9. We'll start reading this time in verse 10. That's what the book tells us. It says, In Damascus there was a disciple there named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is there praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him, to restore his sight. So let's pause right there for just a minute. In these couple of verses, we meet a man named Ananias. And inside of these three verses of Scripture, we learn a decent amount about this man named Ananias. We learn first that his name is Ananias, but we also learn that he is a believer in Jesus. He is a disciple of Jesus. We learn that he lives inside of a city called Damascus, and we also learn inside of this passage that God speaks to Ananias and God tells Ananias to go and help heal a blind man. Now, when we first start reading this story, these first couple of verses here, our natural expectation is to just assume that Ananias is going to go and do what God asks him to do. We expect that Ananias is going to go and help. First of all, we expect that Ananias is going to go help because God tells him to go and help. And I'm pretty sure that if God ever directly, audibly tells you to do something, you better do it, okay? And second, we expect that Ananias is going to go help because God asks him to go and heal someone. And if any of us ever had the chance to go out and just physically help heal someone else, I bet we would jump at the chance. So we expect that Ananias is going to do exactly what God tells him to do. But that's not actually what happens in the story. Let's keep reading in Acts 9. We'll pick up in verse 13, where Ananias responds to God. He says, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So when God tells Ananias to go, Ananias tells God, no. When God tells Ananias to go, Ananias tells God no. 
Because God isn't just asking Ananias to go out and help some nameless stranger. God is asking Ananias to help someone whose cover Ananias has already judged. Ananias has already heard about this man named Saul, and he has already judged him by the cover of his life. So Ananias is told to help Saul. And in these verses, Ananias tells us just a little bit about what he knows about Saul. And we're going to dig into that a little bit later on. But before we do that, I want you to understand that when Ananias hears the name Saul, there is more that is coming to his mind than just thinking about this man who has been sent into Damascus to arrest Christians. Because the name Saul carries a history with it. It's a name that the people of Israel would know and be aware of because the Saul that we're going to read about this morning isn't the first or even the most famous Saul in Israel's history. So when Ananias hears the name Saul, he's carrying all of these thoughts, all of these expectations in his mind that come from another Saul. You see, the most famous Saul in Israel's history was Israel's first king. And his name is Saul, and his name is appropriate because the name Saul means asks for, or asked for. And the people of Israel literally asked God to send them a king, and God sends them Saul. You can imagine that if the people of Israel were asking for someone, praying for someone, and God sends them this person, that that's probably going to go to that guy's head, right? That's exactly what happens to Saul. Saul starts thinking that he is God's gift to the kingdom of Israel, and he makes the assumption that if Saul decides to do something, that it must be the will of God. So it doesn't take long before Saul's will actually gets confused with the will of God, and God starts working to replace Saul with another king. So that's the most famous Saul in Israel's history. He lived about a thousand years, more than a thousand years before the Saul in our story in Ananias were born. But that history of the name Saul continues in our story this morning. And yeah, it affects the way that Ananias sees the Saul he's dealing with. Because our Saul in the book of Acts seems to have the same opinion of himself that King Saul had of himself. The Saul in our story felt like God had asked for him, that God had sent him into the world, so he has been empowered by God to do whatever he sees fit. I mean, let's just listen to the high opinion that Saul has of himself in a letter that he writes a little bit later on. This is how Saul describes himself. He says, If anyone else thinks that he has reasons to put confidence in his flesh, well, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, I've been persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I am faultless. Saul's got a little bit of an ego to him, okay? He thinks that he is God's gift to the world and that everything that he is going about is the will of God. But because Saul saw himself as God's gift to the world, because he felt empowered to do whatever he liked, Saul did some pretty atrocious things in his life. Ananias is hinting at that in the verses we looked at a few minutes ago when he says, 
But God, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man named Saul has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Saul persecuted followers of Jesus. Now, we don't have detailed records that tell us how widespread Paul's persecution was. We don't even know how many victims suffer at Saul's hands inside of these stories. But we do know for a fact that Saul oversaw the execution of one of the earliest leaders in the church. We know that his persecution starts driving believers of Jesus outside of the city of Jerusalem. We know that a lot of lives are impacted and affected by Saul. So from this passage that we've already been reading this morning, we hear that Saul has been going and persecuting, and we know now that he has been authorized to go into the city of Damascus and arrest anyone that he finds there who is a follower or a disciple of Jesus. He is empowered to arrest anyone he finds that is following Jesus. And God speaks to Ananias, someone living in Damascus, the city that Saul is going to, who is a believer in Jesus. So Ananias wants nothing to do with Saul, and who can blame him? Because Saul is coming with a reputation and a history of killing and imprisoning Christians. He's been empowered by the authorities to go into the city of Damascus and arrest more Christians there, and Ananias is a Christian. If we were put in the same position, we would have made the same protesting that Ananias makes about Saul. Ananias couldn't see past Saul's cover. If we were in his shoes, we couldn't have either. We would have wanted nothing to do with this man because he was coming to the city that we would have lived in to harm people just like us. This is the point in the sermon where I want you to remember something that you have heard more times in your life than you can probably count. Age-old wisdom that's been up on the screen behind me all morning long. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. Because when Ananias looks at Saul, all Ananias could see is who he thought Saul was. But when God looked at Saul, God saw who he would become. When Ananias looked at Saul, he could only see who he thought Saul was. But when God looked at Saul, he saw who he would become. And before God even asked Ananias to go and help Saul, God had already started working to change Saul's story. God was already rewriting his book. In Acts chapter 9, we hear about that. We go back a few verses to verse 1. This is what is written. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether they were men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up. 
Get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do there. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul opened his eyes, but he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind. He didn't eat or drink a thing. So in these few verses, Saul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Saul's story is changed forever by this encounter. As a matter of fact, by the end of Acts chapter 9, after Ananias has finally gone and helped Saul, Saul is now going into synagogues, and he is preaching, and he is telling anyone who will listen to him about the good news of Jesus. That's right. The guy that came to Damascus to arrest people because they believed in Jesus, now believed in Jesus himself. And he was doing everything in his power, everything that he could do to help other people believe in Jesus too. And we read this story, and we know about Saul's history, and we wonder, how is that even possible? How did that happen? How could someone who hated Christians so much become one of them? How could God use someone with Saul's history to spread the good news of Jesus? How could Saul be a part of God's story? Well, the answer to that is pretty easy. God doesn't judge a book by its cover. God doesn't judge a book by its cover. So on the road to Damascus that day, God looked past Saul's cover. And he changed how Saul's story would end. On the road to Damascus that day, God starts erasing everything that had happened earlier on in Saul's story, everything that had happened earlier in Saul's life. God even will go on to erase his name. Saul, of course, becomes The same Paul who shares the good news of Jesus across the Roman Empire. The same Paul who started more churches, planted more churches than just about any human being in history. The same Paul who becomes the preeminent missionary and theologian of the first century. The same Paul who writes two-thirds of our New Testament. And God did all of this in spite of Saul's cover. God looked past his history. God looked past his baggage. And God saw who Saul would become. You know, as God continues to invite us to be a part of his story, God is doing the same thing for every single one of us. God is looking past our covers, and God is seeing who all of us will become. And we need to do the same thing when we look at other people. We need to do the same thing when we look at other people. We need to stop judging books by their covers and take the time to see the story that God is writing. We need to stop judging books by their cover and we need to take the time to see the story that God is writing. So this morning, I want us all to learn something from Ananias. I want us all to learn something from Ananias and I want us to learn that we need to stop rushing to judgment. We need to take the time to build relationships, and we need to give God the chance to write his story in other people's lives. Because maybe, just maybe you have a saw in your life right now. Maybe, just maybe, you have a saw in your life right now. Someone that you are prepared to write off because you think that you already know how their story goes. 
maybe, maybe God has placed you in their life to change their story. Just like God placed Ananias in Saul's life to change his story. Maybe God wants to use you. Maybe God wants to use me. Maybe God wants to use all of us to rewrite someone else's story. But you'll never be able to do that. You'll never be able to play that part in God's story of helping God rewrite someone else's history if you keep judging books by their covers. Let's pray together. God, as always, we thank you for the chance that we have to be together in this place. And this morning, we thank you for the story of Ananias and Saul. Because, God, the story of Ananias and Saul It's a microcosm for our lives so often. God, we do a great job of judging books by their covers, just how Ananias wanted to treat Saul. But God, when we do that, we often write off people long before you would have ever dreamed of letting us write them off. God, you were preparing to do incredible, amazing, unbelievable things through Saul's life that day. But Ananias almost kept it from happening. God, change our hearts. Let us see people the way that you see them. Not based solely on their past. Not based only on their covers. But based on their potential. And what you hold for them in the future. Allow us to be open. To be open to those we meet. To play our part in helping them grow closer to you. And seeing what you can write in their story. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody, it's Adam again. I hope that this sermon challenged you, encouraged you, and inspired you to take the next step in your relationship with Christ. If it did, then take a second and subscribe to our podcast. We drop a new sermon every Monday, and if you subscribe, you'll never miss it. And if you'd like to help someone else take the next step in their relationship with Christ, then take a minute and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Your review goes a long way to help us share this podcast with others.